Stay tuned for Radio Gag, Gays Against Guns, coming up. Stay tuned. Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Prepare to gag, yeah. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Radio Gag, the weekly Gays Against Guns show. Radio Gag is your weekly show here on WBAI on how to end the horror that is the American gun violence epidemic. I'm Trisha Cook. And I'm Josh Chaden. Good evening, Trisha. And good evening to everybody out there. On this week's show, we'll examine creativity over tragedy, tools of destruction as a means of artistic expression. The concept for this show tonight was born out of Gays Against Guns' own creative approach to combat gun violence in America with a eclectic mix of genres that incorporate the visual arts, musical performances, uh, and other forms of expression. You know, at Gays Against Guns, and Trisha knows this very well, we have artists that are among our ranks and our steering committee and our founders. Um, The human beings concept that we've talked about week over week uh, was created by a performance artist uh, named Tigger, a friend of ours, and of course our sister organization, Sing Out Louise. Shout out. Uh, Like we do every week, we'll also discuss how Gays Against Guns is working to end gun gun violence and the gun industry's chain of death, a weekly roundup of gun violence prevention news, and more. And for those of you joining us for the first time, Gays Against Guns is an inclusive direct action group of LGBTQ people and our allies committed to nonviolently breaking the gun industry's chain of death, uh, their investors, manufacturers, the NRA, and politicians who block safer gun laws. We're New York City-based, but work with gag chapters in other cities across the country to ensure safety for all individuals, particularly those vulnerable communities such as people of color, women, people who struggle with mental health issues, LGBTQ people, and religious minorities. Gag condemns white supremacy, all instances of excessive force by police, and police militarization. That's right. We formed right after the Pulse Massacre massacre in Orlando in 2016, and we now have chapters across the country. We use song, creative theatrics, and direct political protest to force real change. Gag members are bound together by the belief that people getting shot up in safe spaces such as schools, churches, cinemas, supermarkets, and gay bars is unacceptable and has to stop. You know where we meet? Every other Thursday, we meet at the LGBT Center uh, in Manhattan, located at 208 West 13th Street. All those who want to join us and fight for better gun laws are welcome. Yes, come. Yes, please. Each week, we begin our meetings with an in-memoriam, which reminds us of why we do this important work. Trisha, please share this week's in-memoriam for our listeners, will you? Of course. Today, we honor the life of fashion designer Gianni Versace. Gianni Versace built his brand on style. In the 90s, at the apex of his fame, he was known for his glamorous, exuberant dresses that stood in contrast to the muted, minimalist designs of his competitors, such as Giorgio Armani. As the the saying in the fashion world went, Armani dresses the wife, Versace dresses the mistress. A savvy businessman and a tastemaker in the fashion world, Versace lived his life to the fullest until it was tragically cut short. Versace was born in southern Italy in 1946 to a mother who ran a dressmaking business out of the family's home. He began his apprenticeship working for her. He often said his mother's workroom filled with seamstresses was his playground. He moved to Milan to work in fashion design when he was 26 years old. In 1978, along with his brother Santo, 
Versace opened his first boutique in Milan and was heralded for his sensuous cuts and bold prints. The, the, the Versace logo, a Medusa head, was meant to be a symbol of the attention-grabbing nature of the clothing. Once a person saw a Versace dress, they could not look away. Gianni and, and Santo were soon joined in the business by their sister, Donatella, who also acted as Gianni's muse. Donatella encouraged Gianni to, make model, to take models who appeared in magazines, such as Naomi Campbell and Linda Evangelista, and hire them for runway shows, effectively ushering in the supermodel era. One of fashion's most iconic moments occurred at the 1991 Gianni Versace runway show. Instead of sending his models out one by one, Versace unleashed all of them upon the stage, lip-syncing to George Michael's freedom. The show became more than an occasion to model a new clothing line. Versace had turned it into an eye-popping spectacle. Quote, I think it's the responsibility of a designer to try to break rules and barriers, he once said. I'm a little like Marco Polo, going around and mixing cultures. Gianni packed his audience with famous faces. He would seat celebrities like Madonna, Bruce Springsteen, and Elton John in the front row of his shows. Quote, he was the first to realize the value of the celebrity in the front row and the value of the supermodel and put fashion on an international media platform, said Anna Wintour. He relished media attention and masterminded it, and everybody followed in his footsteps. On the 15th of July, 1997, upon returning from a morning walk, Gianni Versace was shot and killed on the steps of his Miami Beach home, the final victim of a spree killer. Versace died at the age of 50. He was a man of passion and vitality who still had much left to give. His contributions to the fashion world, adding showmanship and shock value to design, are still being celebrated. His impulses had brought him at a young age to a land of opportunity and, unfortunately, of easy access to guns. Thanks a lot, Tricia, for that powerful story. It's, it's hard to believe it's been that long. I feel like it was just yesterday. I was 17, and I saw that on the news and was just heartbroken and shocked that something like that could happen at somebody's doorstep. I know, and, you know, and, you know I didn't realize that he was just 50 when he died, which yeah. seems incredibly tragic. Yeah. Uh, thank you again. You know, this might be hard to believe, but it's been almost a year since the Parkland, Florida mass shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School. It's fast approaching. It's actually on Valentine's Day in a few weeks. Um, the shooting was one of the 10 deadliest shootings in modern U.S. history and has sparked an aggressive movement demanding stricter gun laws. Our first feature on today's program in New York is New York City Youth Poet Laureate William Lohier, who has come who has some powerful words focusing on the Parkland mass shooting and the youth-led movement that arose from its aftermath, including, a course, of course, the March for Our Lives nationwide organization. As you'll hear, William's powerful words imply that the message, messages of Parkland su student survivors and their supporters are far more powerful than their critics. Though they may be young, the individuals who have been predominantly affected by these mass shootings are making their intentions to change the country clear, and their mission can't be stopped. Let's listen. March 24th, one month and 10 days after the deadliest high school shooting in American history, students across the country march for stricter gun laws. The same day, the NRA releases a video entitled A March for Their Lies, telling Stoneman Douglas students that if their classmates had not been shot, no one would know their names. And the question becomes, why do we march? 
when school shootings have become an American promise. When the Second Amendment chokes bullets into bodies, we were not taught that students could become soldiers at any time. A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. We march because those words are worth more than our lives. Because those who defend them do not know our names, how our mamas know to hold us close when pistols rejoice in the night like martyrdom is the best some of us can expect in life. We march because I no longer feel safe in school, because the other day we had a lockdown drill and as my back was pressed up against the wall, I was waiting for shots to ring out. Blunt, like the promise of freedom, the way politicians take NRA money and hand us back bodies, we were never taught the sound of gunshots. We have never been asked to write a eulogy. We march because instead of marching, I want to be worrying about grades and homework and tests. And it's frustrating, you know, that this poem sounds like an ode to assault rifles because somewhere in America, someone says they love their guns and my body becomes a false prophecy, becomes a canvas. Dripping police siren, red, white, and blue, red, white, blue, because it's your guns that got Nene, that got Trayvon, that got Renisha, and I repeat a prayer in my head, hands up, don't shoot, hands up, don't shoot. We march because I learned long before high school to fear bullets before Columbine, before Sandy Hook, before Stoneman Douglas. We are not marching to take away your guns. We are marching for our lives. So watch us, because there is power in our footsteps, and the streets will ring with it long after we are gone. Wow, that poem is so powerful and moving. Uh, I'm just overwhelmed every time I hear it by his passion. Uh, Josh, how did you find his work? You know, uh, when I was doing research for the show, I wanted to begin with our fellow advocates that are fighting sort of on the front lines of the issue. Um, and one thing was resoundingly clear that those battle lines are being drawn on schoolyards and in our classrooms. You know, it's, it's that's, crazy. The new, that's the new war zone in American culture. Um, and with the, the one year anniversary of Parkland coming up, there's been um, sort of a, a, a swell of artistic expression among young people. Um, we're only gonna see it more and more. And uh, I came across William um, in a few different places. You know, his videos were on YouTube and it was featured mm -hmm. on Now This. Um, and a few other locations. So um, it was an honor to sort of, I just love listening to that piece over and over again. Yeah. Um, Thanks for introducing me to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's almost unfathomable, you know, like classmates coming into your room and shooting up your school um, for folks who are a little bit older. Um, all the constant reminders on social media today, routine shooting drills, and of course the 24-hour news cycle are just all those constant reminders that jump drumbeat of a threat um yeah i mean we used to have earthquake drills and exactly. now they're shooting drills yeah it's tornado crazy. drills things like that um so with that 
Here are a few news items that you may or may not have picked up uh, over the past week. Tricia, want to kick us off? Sure. Uh, North Carolina may soon pass a law to allow people in same-sex dating relationships to file for a domestic violence protective order. Currently, North Carolina is the only state in the United States to have a law barring people in same-sex relationships from getting restraining orders. North Carolina's Attorney General Josh Stein has called that law unconstitutional and is working on an effort to have it overturned. He spoke about plans to meet with state legislators, pushing them to change the law when they return to session at the end of January. Quote, it's just nonsensical that on an issue where we work so hard to keep people safe so they don't have to live in fear they'll be assaulted or murdered, that we would deny that protection to people just because they're gay. Here's hoping those in power in North Carolina do the right thing. Josh? Ah, thank you. Uh, this past week, two female rookie police officers were shot dead. Shreveport police officer Shateri Payne was in uniform and getting ready for work at her home in Louisiana when she was shot multiple times on Wednesday evening. She died several hours later after being rushed to the hospital. The shooter is as yet unknown. Shateri leaves behind a young child, and on the day of her graduation from the police academy, Shateri posted on her Facebook page, quote, My personal mission is to become that positive influence to protect those that can't protect themselves. I've never claimed to be perfect, but I am taking this step and becoming a better version of myself. It's an honor to be able to join such a powerful family with my brothers and sisters in blue. May the journey begin. The day following, Officer Payne's death, Natalie Corona, a Davis, California officer, was responding to a triple car crash when a gunman on a bike shot her multiple times. After shooting Corona, the suspect fled toward a firefighter and fire truck and then fled the scene. A manhunt for the shooter ended later when police found him dead with a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Natalie was a second-generation officer, her father having served 26 years as a sheriff's deputy in Calusa County. There's good news coming out of Boston, which addresses one of the items that is on the gag to-do list for 2019. That's right. According to the Boston Globe, Mayor Martin J. Walsh plans to push legislation that would require health care providers to play a larger role in addressing gun violence. Administration officials said Wednesday they will push for a bill requiring doctors to ask patients about guns in their homes, which would help identify risks of suicide and domestic violence. Quote, this is a great way for the medical field to help identify any red flag issues, said Boston Police Commissioner William Gross. It puts another tool in the physician's belt to help out the victims. The president of the Massachusetts Medical Society said on Wednesday that, when appropriate, a physician, as part of a detailed conversation about medical history, has a right and responsibility to speak with patients about gun ownership, storage, and safety. Across the country this past week, candidates who ran on platforms promising action on gun violence were sworn into office ushering in an era of gun sense candidates who were taking office. In Congress, House Democrats introduced bipartisan legislation that would expand background checks for selling and transferring ownership of guns their first move since taking office uh, as the majority. The bill, dubbed H.R. 8, in honor of the 8th anniversary of the shooting of former Arizona Congresswoman Gabby Giffords, would require background checks on all gun sales. The bill would also help to close the gun show loophole that enables people with felony convictions, domestic abusers, fugitives from justice, and people prohibited from possessing guns due to mental illness to buy guns with no background checks and no questions asked. Newly elected Representative Lucy McBath of Georgia, whose son was slain in 2012, 
took to the House floor saying, quote, I'm honored to co-sponsor this bipartisan legislation for my son, Jordan, and for the safety of every family in this country, and I ask my fellow parents, fellow members, and fellow Americans to stand with me today in support of universal background checks. Thank you to Representative McBath and your fellow co-signers on the bill. Thank you to all of our gun sense legislators. Um, Radio Gag loves spending time with you, and if you love spending time with us, please show it by becoming a Gag WBAI buddy. What's a WBAI buddy, Tricia? Good question, Josh. I know. A WBAI buddy is someone who keeps our volunteer-run radio show going by signing up to give a small donation every month. If everyone ships in a small amount, it helps keep the lights on here at WBAI and allows us to bring you this unique radio show every week. Just go to WBAI.org or call 516-620-3602 and become a WBAI buddy in the name of Radio Gag. Yes, be our buddy. Modest monthly contributions can really help. If anything, we know this from our follow the money tactics What with the Wells Fargo No campaign we've got mm-hmm. going on, moving money um, from Wells Fargo. Lots of people doing a small amount can really add up to some significant change, as we know. So thank you. Yes, thank you. So our next feature that focuses on our creativity over tragedy theme is a street art culture jamming group called Guns and Pickles. Wait, did you say pickles? Sure did. This group of artists will turn a mainstream advertising campaign that features guns and turn it on its ear by replacing the gun imagery with a nice juicy uh, gherkin. I love juicy gherkins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I caught up with a few of their members recently after doing a bit of Instagram stalking, so let's listen in. Okay. This was kind of a little bit after the uh, the Parkland shooting. Um, Andrew and I were just kind of discussing just, we were kind of enraged of just another shooting happening and we we were just getting really angry on um, just how the, the conversation always tends to be on the same thing when it comes to gun and gun laws. And so Andrew and I just wanted to get in the conversation. We didn't really know where and what we're advertising students, so we kind of caught an eye on how guns and ads are still pretty common, especially, uh, you know, in 2019, and we we thought that was kind of crazy. But even more, we thought that was ridiculous, so we wanted to take the gun out of the ad and replace it with something as equally ridiculous. The idea was to replace it with, at the time, Apple had just replaced its gun emoji with the um, neon green exactly right. water pistol emoji, so... For weeks we were thinking about just replacing all the guns with that green emoji. And then one of us was like, you know, pickles are even more funny and humorous and ridiculous and, and it'll catch people's eye more. So we started with Star Wars Solo. Um, the Solo movie was coming out um, and the poster, it was definitely directed towards adults and children. Uh, it was a very, like, colorful, splashy campaign. And there were four four or five, I can't remember, uh, guns in the poster that were all around the city for Star Wars. I mean, I guess they were like, not exactly guns, they were like um, the Star Wars futuristic guns. Right, the blasters. But Han Solo was, the blasters. Han Solo was carrying a huge, beautiful gun. Um, Chewbacca was carrying a gun. Um, the, uh, the female lead, I'm forgetting her name, she had a, a long pistol. And it was crazy how many children were staring at these these posters and just without even realizing it subconsciously, just like, you know, falling in love with guns a little bit. 
ridiculous uh we live in a we live in a society that's overrun with guns and gun culture and the work that you are doing is important because it is in the public sphere like you said it's in public spaces where um people don't really have a choice whether or not they see the imagery when they take the subway every day so you know the work that you do the work that you do is really important in that regard you're you're able to change the narrative on the ground um and Gaze Against Guns, we feel yeah. very much the same way, like taking it to the streets, right? Taking yeah. it to the people, direct action. Absolutely. Yeah, we, yeah we've been a fan of you guys ever since we, we uh, learned about you about a year ago. You, you guys really have uh, courage to do things every week. We really, uh, really respect that. Um, yeah, and just, yeah, we think, you know, kids seeing guns in, in posters in their public space, we think it's one of the many factors we do leading into like white white kids just in this country love guns so much and uh we wanted to do our part to to cover up every gun we we saw with with a pickle uh well i'm a big fan of guns and pickles now uh thanks to you josh Uh, i love their on instagram you can find their animated pieces which just simply turn guns into pickles uh on a loop it's it's very hypnotic yeah i just i came on to a subway platform and noticed that you know melissa mccarthy was holding a giant pickle instead of a gun on that happy time murders ad uh, I saw um that. you know and and nicholas and andrew who you just heard um they're amazing and you know it might seem sort of like a joke at first um but they were very serious when they were talking about kids um mm-hmm. seeing gun imagery without being able to help it on subway platforms and just everywhere so they've got a campaign going on right now um online uh, to ban gun advertising on movie posters all over the country. Uh, you can find it on their Instagram profile at guns and pickles, like guns and roses. Get it? Uh-huh. Yeah. Or by searching for them on change.org where their pe- uh, petition currently is. That's great. Uh, speaking of getting involved, uh, how can our listeners, listeners get more involved with us? Well, there are so, so many ways you can get involved with Gays Against Guns, Trisha. Should we count the ways for everybody? Yes. Uh, Maybe you like to sing or perform, to write, to design graphics, or even to lend your time as a radio host. Like us. Mm -hmm. So much fun. Maybe you're an accountant or a lawyer, doctor, 
who knows, statistician, political strategist, or maybe an, an enthusiast like I am who lives on Twitter. We need you all. Yeah, maybe you're a publicist, event producer, your skills are tal and talents are valuable and welcome. Remember, all are welcome at our meetings uh, every week, every other week. That's right. We meet here in New York every other Thursday at 7 p.m. at the LGBT Center on 13th Street in Manhattan. Our next meeting is this Thursday, January 17th, where we'll be planning all kinds of actions for January and February. That'll include our participation at the Women's March NYC this Saturday, January 19th, here in Manhattan. This year, we'll be marching in honor of our trans and cisgender uh, women and friends and family members who've been lost uh, to gun violence. We'll also discuss the return of our bloody Valentine action in Washington, D.C. on Valentine's Day for the one-year anniversary of the Parkland mass shooting. Uh, if you don't have anything to do for Valentine's Day, <laughs> yeah. please join us. We have a long bus ride down to Washington, D.C. Yeah, I, I went down last year, and that was the day of the Parkland shooting, and um, I didn't have a date. Oh, you know, it was wow. Valentine's Day. I'm yeah. single, so. Um, to find out more about working with us, please go to gaysagainstguns.net or follow us at Gays Against Guns New York on Facebook and Instagram or Gag No Guns on Twitter. Also, be sure to check out our website to learn more about our other gag, gag chapters located nationwide, nationwide, like in L.A., D.C., Chicago, San Francisco, and the list keeps growing. Provincetown. Oh, yeah, Pewtown. So now it's time to finish the show with our hell yeahs when we celebrate some of our favorite people and subjects from the week. I want to start off by giving a resounding hell yeah to New York City Poet Laureate William Lohier and all youth leaders in the fight against gun violence. Hell, hell yeah. yeah! I'm a little loud on that mic. Uh, hell yeah to everyone who recently signed up to join us at the Women's March NYC this Saturday and everyone across the country who will be out in the streets on Saturday marching for change. Hell, hell yeah. yeah! A big shout out to folks who have been listening in to Radio Gag across the country and getting involved with Gag. Hell, Hell yeah. yeah, and thanks for listening. We're back next Tuesday and every Tuesday here on WBAI at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. And don't forget, you can listen to our previous shows anytime on the WBAI website or at gazeagainstguns.net. Thanks so much for listening tonight. Yes, thank you. It's been fun. And come to our meetings. Josh is single and he's super cute. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> On the next Ecologic, Tyson Slocum of Public Citizen and other activists from national organizations will analyze the environmental aspects of the midterm elections. Tune in to Ecologic on Tuesday, January 15th at 8 p.m. to hear Ken Gale and Donna Stein discuss the impacts right here on WBAI New York 99.5 FM and WBAI.org. On Tuesday, January 15th at 10 p.m., Sugar in My Bowl presents a tribute to Miss Nancy Wilson. An abbreviated version of this program originally aired on March 8th, 2007, during International Working Women's Day programming. That's Tuesday, January 15th at 10 p.m., right here on WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and WBAI.org on the web. Did you know there's an election coming up? On Tuesday, February 26th, New Yorkers will be able to go to the polls to select a new public advocate in a special election for one of just three citywide elected positions. 
This is Ben Max, co-host of Max and Murphy, right here on WBAI Radio, 99.5 FM and WBAI.org, with Jarrett Murphy of City Limits. Listen to this week's Max and Murphy at 5 p.m. on Wednesday for more on the race for public advocate as we continue to interview candidates seeking to win the special election. That's 5 p.m. Wednesday right here on WBAI. going down BAI listeners I go by the name of Psyche and you can catch my new show with my co-host Bastionista every Wednesday at 5am on Black Seinfeld we cover a wide range of topics such as current events, local news comic books, movies and whatever the hell we want this is a show for us and by us so tune in to Black Seinfeld Wednesdays 5am on 99.5 FM WBAI New York Building Bridges, Monday, January 21st, from 7 to 10 p.m., to the radical Martin Luther King. The country is in the midst of an agenda of fear, racism, and white nationalism. It's declared war on its workers, and ever more people are being consumed by poverty. To inspire and guide us to fight poverty, not the poor, will reconsecrate and raise up the radical king who challenged the triple pillars upon which capitalism rests, racism, militarism, and poverty. Building Bridges, Monday, January 21st, from 7 to 10 p.m. This is WBAI New York, 99.5 FM, and WBAI.org online. This is a listener-sponsored community radio station providing you a Pacifica state of mind since 1960. The previous program was Radio Gag, Gays Against Guns, heard Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Stay tuned for First Voices Radio with T. and 